Welcome to the Not So Darlin' Podcast. This is a platform where Tanya and her guests share honest conversations while not taking life too seriously. Because let's face it, being perfect is lame. Now, here's your Not So Darlin' host, Tanya Phillips. Okay, we've all seen those memes about menopause. Like, I don't have hot flashes. I have short private vacations in tropical-like conditions. It's all fun and games until your ass is going through it. You ask, and so I am delivering. And this delivery comes in the form of Angela Council, a leading neuropath and menopause coach who guides women to embrace the changes that are happening to their body as they move through their menopause transition. She is on a mission to spread the word that it is possible to thrive in menopause, and this can be a time of stepping into your wisdom and falling in love with yourself and your life. She has almost 20 years of experience supporting women through various stages of their life. Angela understands how hormones can impact the way in which women feel and look. Angela ran her own successful natural therapies clinic in Sydney and now continues to consult privately with her clients as well as running regular retreats, group programs, and women's circles. And she also hosts a popular podcast called Wise Women Conversations, where she has enlightened conversations with other women and provides a practical advice to support women navigating through menopause with ease. She is also a self-published author and has been featured in several magazines, television, and radio programs. Welcome, Angela, to the Not So Darling podcast. Hi, Tanya. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. This is a, a topic that my listeners wanted to learn uh, more about. So, you know, let's start out by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so you might notice I have a bit of a different accent to you. <laughs> so I, I come from Australia, from the land down under. Um, I'm a naturopath, um, kinesiologist, a personal health um, coach as well, and I work with women and support women as they move through their menopause transition just to help them to embrace the changes that are happening to their life. I'm very much about educating them on what is happening. So I've been working in women's health now as a naturopath for nearly 20 years. So kind of work with women in all stages of their hormonal journey. And now, as I am now postmenopausal, this is where I kind of put my focus because women really don't understand what's going on and they quite often feel scared, they feel alone. And I feel it's my role to let them know that everything is going to be okay. So that's kind of who I am and what I do. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, when I started off the podcast, that this is one of the topics that my listeners wanted to know about. I mean, I had so many of them say, like, we want to know about perimenopause, perimenopause, menopause, uh, you know, all those, all things related to menopause. So I appreciate you um, agreeing to come on and talk with me today. So thank you again. And, and I love doing my Australian. I have a little bit of Australia. No, that might be my English. English. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I, I tried to do this, you know, uh, accent and I used to do it so well, but now I feel like I'm leaning more towards the English accent. But anyway, uh, I hope that is not offensive, but I used to do no. Australian. I'm Australian. Yeah. 
There oh, you I've go. Got it. Yeah. Australian. I'm Australian. Um, but it probably sounds really country because I'm in Kentucky. <laughs> but I had I had someone from the UK on, so I had to do my English accent for her. And she was she was so uh fabulous and she let me do it. And she was but I used to do it all the time. Like when we would go on vacation, uh, me and my girlfriends, I would pretend as if I was, you know, from somewhere else. And it was it was just fun. It was just fun because I've always wanted to visit Australia. So I don't want to visit then now. Now's not a great time, but um, maybe one day in the future it'll be a good place to be again. Bit, a bit so-so at the moment. Yeah, I know. I remember you saying that right now. You are currently on lockdown. Um, some places are, some places aren't. So it just depends where you are at the moment. I am still in lockdown where I am. Um, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. So we just get on with life. Yeah. Well, let's go into women getting on with their lives after they're entering their 40s. Um, Every hot flash and night sweat mood shift comes with the underlining question of, am I starting menopause? Mm -hmm. Um, While the menopausal transition is anything but one size fits all, um, the experience for some women start in their 30s, whereas others might hold off until their late 50s. Uh, it's an inevitable part of life for people who menstruate. So women nearing menopausal age, uh, hot flashes and night sweats are among the most common symptoms to look out for, but they're, uh, but they're not the only ones. So tell us what are some other signs of menopause? Okay, can I just, before I get into that, I just want to talk about the different stages of the journey because menopause is a journey. It's not, it's not a, it's not a single thing. So we have, we have very early menopause or very early perimenopause, perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause. So the transition generally starts in the late 30s to early 40s. So this is when our hormones start to shift a little bit. And sometimes you might notice it, you know, because your cycles change, they become a little bit more irregular, maybe they're a little bit longer, or they could be shorter, they could be heavier. And as you get closer and closer to that final period, which on average, happens around 52 so that's average but that can be any time really from I know 45 through to 55 and beyond so that last period we don't really know when we get to our last period um, until afterwards so we generally say that the um, it's 12 months since your last period you are now in postmenopause. so that 12 month period is kind of like that menopause waiting game you're just waiting to see was the last period the last one because sometimes you can go six seven months without a period and then all of a sudden bleed again so um it's it's a bit of a waiting game there but we have the the very early when um things are starting to change cycles are changing a little bit um then we get into perimenopause and that can last up to you know 12 years and that's really just the stage before menopause and at that time is when women can start to notice symptoms and yes they can be hot flushes they can be um, mood swings uh, weight gain is a big one for many many women it's like all of a sudden this weight just comes on and it won't come up off regardless of what you do and you haven't changed anything um, joint aches and pains and body aches and pains is another big one and actually that was my symptom that was my biggest symptom and I didn't really 
I didn't understand that it was related to anything to do with menopause because when I first studied um, to be a naturopath, you know, 20-odd years ago, menopause was never spoken about. It's not spoken about much now. And we were really only taught about hot flushes and mood swings. That was kind of all we were really taught about. No one told me anything about this, this aching, this joint pain. And then I'm going, what the hell is going on? I'm trying to work it out. And then doing a bit more research and then trying to understand what was going on, I realised it was related to a drop in oestrogen levels. And the reason why it happens is because oestrogen is a natural anti-inflammatory. And if there's any inflammation going on in your body, as your oestrogen levels come down, we start to notice the pain. Um, and that was that was it for me. And even though I had a relatively clean diet, um, my big my big thing, and I'm sorry, sorry to say this, and it's a big thing for many women, was alcohol. Now I didn't drink a lot, okay. So just so I was only drinking like a glass of wine uh, with dinner on a Saturday night, and I used to have a spritzer, so half wine, half mineral water. So certainly wasn't a big drinker, and but that small amount of alcohol was enough to keep me in pain every single day and every single night, and I couldn't sleep because I was in so much pain every night. Um, so when I wasn't sleeping, that made it even worse. And then I just decided to go just stop all alcohol altogether, which I did three or so years ago. And the pain just, it was almost overnight, the pain just disappeared. And it was just that small amount of inflammation that was causing me to experience that pain. And what causes pain for is different for different women. What causes hot flushes is different for different women. But the underlying cause of what is going on is not menopause. And you might think, well, that's strange. Isn't that what we're talking about? Menopause or the change in hormones is the trigger, but it's not the cause. The cause is inflammation, insulin resistance and stress. So that's where we go. We need to go deeper than just the hormones. Hormones are meant to shift at this time of life. They're meant to shift because we're no longer producing as many eggs or we get to the stage we're no longer producing eggs. So we want our hormones to come down because we're no longer getting ready for, you know, our body isn't preparing to be pregnant every month. So it's changing. So when we bring those hormones down, we do lose a little bit of protection of the hormones, but what it uncovers is what we've kind of, the how we've been kind of cheating on our health probably for the 20 years or so beforehand. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, no, no it did. More of a tangent, but yeah, hopefully that answered the question. Yeah, no, it did. Uh, so let's dive into what menopause is and what causes it. So, so, so you say like obviously our hormones are going to shift just like they do as a, a as a young child mm -hmm. into you know puberty and and all those things. You know, I know it's different, but you know what I mean. We all shift yep. through our transitions of li life. So with the hormones, I guess, becoming, you know, shifting or imbalanced or whatever, what, what, um, what, like what causes the inflammation, I guess? Uh, and are there things that we can do to help? Um, yeah. Yeah. I get, I get your question. So yeah. <laughs> what you're saying, so our hormones are shifting. And as I said, because when we're in a, our normal reproductive life, our body every single month releases an egg 
um, prepares the body for pregnancy, it either falls pregnant or it doesn't, and then we have a period. So that's kind of the cycle that go that our body goes through every single month, from the time we're in puberty to the time that we finish our cycles. So this is, you know, and women obviously have different cycles. They have different issues and there's things going on um, over and above that. But a normal cycle, that's what happens. And we have, you know, hormones that kind of go up and then they go down. And when when we as we're coming into menopause, our our hormones start to shift. Now, the first hormone that comes down is progesterone. So progesterone is the hormone that is released by the egg. So it's released the middle of the cycle. When the egg is released at ovulation, the egg releases progesterone. And progesterone is designed to support the egg. If it gets fertilized, well, then it will support the embryo for the first three months of pregnancy until the placenta takes over the role. If you don't fall pregnant, then the um, the egg just dies off and progesterone comes down and you have a period and you shed the lining of your uterus and then we kind of start all over again. So as you're coming uh, as you're coming through perimenopause, you don't you start to ovulate less. So you don't always release an egg um, or the egg's not very good quality. So progesterone starts to come down sooner. So it comes down quick. Well, well, it comes down quicker than estrogen. And everyone talks about estrogen being the biggest problem. And in fact, for many women, it's not actually estrogen coming down that's a problem. The issue is that estrogen is actually too high in relation to progesterone levels. So when you're cycling, we kind of keep a relative distance between estrogen and progesterone. And when progesterone comes down, the difference between progesterone and estrogen is what causes the symptoms because estrogen will go up and down for years and it's a real roller coaster ride of estrogen going up and down all of the time until you get to the end of your cycling and then estrogen levels off. Now it doesn't completely disappear, it does level off, but it's this roller coaster ride that um estrogen's going on that causes the symptoms because it's going up and it's pulling away from progesterone, then it's coming down closer and then it's pulling away. So up and down and this is one of the reasons why getting blood tests can be very, very inaccurate when it comes to testing hormones because your hormones one day could have your um, estrogen levels through the roof and the next day they could be down to the floor. So it's very, very inaccurate way of getting um, testing your estrogen levels at this time of life because they are just so um, up and down. They're so erratic. So both hormones, both estrogen and progesterone, actually rather over and above just, you know, supporting the egg, they also support our health. So estrogen, as I said before, is an anti-inflammatory. Progesterone helps us sleep, helps keep our moods, keep us calm. Um, Estrogen also um, supports our heart health. So there's a lot that estrogen and progesterone do. It's not just about producing an egg every month. So as those hormones come down, as I said, then we start to notice things that... um, we're there all along. So inflammation is one. Insulin resistance is another, and that's um, that's a precursor to diabetes. Um, and estrogen in itself helps to reduce insulin resistance, but as estrogen um, disappears, then insulin resistance comes up. And it's all primarily the two biggest drivers of all of this are our diet and our lifestyle, which all come under the term stress. 
So stress is the driver and the stress is not just the emotional stress of, oh, no, I've had a fight with my husband, my kids or whatever. Stress is also the way your body's feeling because of what you're putting into your body, the foods that you're eating, what you're putting on your body, whether or not that's, you know, chemicals and things like that, what you're exposing your body. So that's a physical stress that your body's being exposed to. Then there's the mental um, stress of, you know, who am I? What am I? What's going on? I've got too many things. I've got so many balls in the air. What am I going to do? And then there's also that spiritual stress of that connection back to self. So stress is the big, um, it's the big thing. Everything comes down to stress in some form or other. And if we can start to deal with stress in that we start to um, eat foods that our body requires, it nurtures our body, if we move our body the way it's meant to be moved, if we reduce our exposure to different chemicals and toxins, you know, if we get good sleep habits, um, some good stress management techniques like journaling and meditation or whatever, and then mindset. And mindset plays a really big role as well because women kind of have this fear about menopause. And I don't know why, because every woman in the world goes through menopause, um, but it's not spoken about. And it's something that women are, you know, they, they're almost ashamed to speak about. And uh, there's this belief that menopause will be a struggle. Oh, I don't want to get there because it's going to be such a struggle. If we actually change that belief, the way you get through menopause will be totally different. If you believe it's going to be the worst time of your life, I guarantee you that it will be. Um, but if you believe that this is actually the time when you actually get to choose what it is you want, because this is kind of, I talk about it being a window of an op of opportunity. This is your chance to, because your body's changing and, and it is changing, nothing you can do about it because hormones are changing. So your body's changing. So this is your opportunity now to create the health you want for the rest of your life. I mean, you can keep doing what you're doing and things are likely to keep going downhill. But, you know, you're mid-40s, you're only halfway through your life. So, I mean, I'm planning to make it to 100, so I'm yeah, over halfway too. by now. So it's like, but, you know, mid-40s, it's like there's still a long way to go. How are you going to set yourself up, set your health up, set your life up so that you're really going to enjoy the next half of your life? Because for many women, they're, you know, they don't, quite often they're not as, um, if they've got children, their children are growing older, so they're not as involved in their lives. So it's almost a chance of freedom. Some women actually leave marriages and things like that, not that I'm suggesting that, but it, it can be a time for a new start. And the new start can start within you. What am I going to do with my body? How am I going to nurture myself, self-love myself, so that my body will get me through the next half of my life? Yeah, yeah. It's more of like acceptance, you know, let's accept the fact that our bodies are going to go through these changes and treat it well by food um, that we intake and exercise that we partake in. So let's, let's talk a little bit about those things. But I, I want to talk a little bit about um, some risk factors that I had read about and you can kind of clarify if this is accurate or not, but um, I know a new research shows that cycle length may play a role in whether a woman has a higher risk of developing cardiovascular disease. And I think it was it was published online in Menopause, the Journal of the North American Menopause Society, uh, found that women whose cycles were longer uh, for more years during perimenopause uh, were more prone to later um, developing cardiovascular problems. 
it, it goes on to say, you know, that studies have said that younger women, when hormone levels on average are more stable and had already linked it, uh, to irregular menstrual cycles with certain health conditions, uh, including uh, cardiovascular disease risk, um, this study showed that in addition, a cycle of more than 40 days measured from the first day of bleeding to the next month, the next month's bleed has uh, previously been cited as a potential uh, factor for type 2 diabetes in younger women. Okay, so <laughs> that's all right. There's a lot of scary words in there. Yeah, um, yeah. There is a lot of scary words in there, but, but we just got to come back down to... I always kind of bring it right back down to the body knows what to do. So let's just mm -hmm. trust the body here a little bit. Um, yes, there is, there's lots, there's research out there. And one of the reasons why that is given about um, why women should be taking HRT or MHT. So MHT is menopause hormone therapy, or it used to be called hormone replacement therapy. Basically it's taking um, estrogen and progesterone in a tablet cream form, a pellet form. Um, so it's just adding that extra hormone back in because what they say is, well, because estrogen is cardioprotective and it could, certainly is. The estrogen is very protective of the heart and if our estrogen levels come down, well, then we're at higher risk of heart disease. But we also need to put this in perspective because even though um, as we come through menopause and we're no longer having our cycles, and the ovaries are no longer producing estrogen, that does not mean we have no estrogen. So there are other cells in the body that actually have estrogen receptors and are able to produce estrogen if we put the right fuel into our bodies. The heart is one of them. So heart cells can actually produce estrogen to keep to protect the heart. Our adrenal glands also produce estrogen and so it also produces progesterone. Now, one of the biggest issues is as women come into this time of life is that many of them are highly, highly stressed to the point of being burnt out and so that their adrenal glands are overworked and the adrenal glands are basically spending most of its resources and its energy producing stress hormones, cortisol, rather than being able to produce progesterone and estrogen. So we need to, and this is coming back to looking after ourselves. So yes, we can produce these, um, these hormones in other areas of our body. The heart, the adrenal glands can produce estrogen, can produce progesterone, but only if we're looking after ourselves. And then looking at the other side of that is the biggest risk for cardiovascular disease is not the loss of estrogen. Mm -hmm. It's actually our diet and lifestyle. That is yeah. our biggest risk. So if we actually start looking at addressing our diet and lifestyle and supporting heart health, and that's eating, you know, heart healthy foods, lots of vegetables, um, plant foods, you know, it's, you, you don't have to be a vegetarian. You have some, um, you know, animal protein in there as well, but managing where that animal protein is coming from. So ideally organic or grass fed, so a well-treated animal, not one that's being kind of cruelly treated, but not having a lot of that. But really, it's actually eating foods that support your heart. And when you eat those type of foods, then the body will be able to make sufficient amount of estrogen to keep it protected. So, you know, and whilst, yes, as I say, there's lots of this, these research, this scary research, and I think what was the other one you spoke about, diabetes. 
once again, as I said, estrogen is very insulin protective. So um, insulin resistance is the stage before diabetes. And if you don't address insulin resistance, it will get worse and worse until you get to di you get diabetes. So once again, as your estrogen levels come down, estrogen is very protective of um, of, of insulin and if once it goes, that protection goes, we kind of come into an insulin resistant state. And this is why many women put on weight around the belly that they can't shift. So that's a sign of insulin resistance. And this is so, so common in women. But when we go back and say, okay, so what's causing that? The cause is not the drop in estrogen. The drop in estrogen is the trigger. The cause is our diet and lifestyle. So we go back again. What am I eating? What am I doing? How am I moving? What type of stress is my body under? Because this is what's causing that insulin. That's what's causing us to put that um, roll of fat on around the tummy, the meno belly, as I call it. That's what causes that. And then that is then a precursor, if you don't address it, to getting type 2 diabetes. So I think we just have to be put into real perspective. When they do these research they're not always going to, well, what's, they're just saying, oh, well, the problem is the hormones are out of balance. The Yes, the hormones are out of balance, but that's not the real problem. The real problem is we as women are highly stressed, generally not eating properly, not looking after ourselves. And that is what's the real cause. And then when the hormones shift, then it all comes out. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, it makes total sense to me. <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm shaking my head as you're saying these things because, uh, you know, stress is a huge, you know, um, mm -hmm. thing for women. And let's, you know, be honest, a lot of women aren't moving as they should. Uh, and they're not eating well like they should. You know, they're eating a lot of junk or processed foods or fast food because they're they're running they're themselves to running themselves into the ground, basically yep. running around, trying to work, trying to take care of their kids, trying to do this, you know, and their kids are playing sports and all this stuff. It's just like this, these quick, easy things, which makes, you know, America great in some aspects of being able to have these, these items quickly. Cause I have been accustomed to, um, you know, doing the quick, those quick things in the past, but, you know, my lifestyle has changed so much. And, and, you know, I think that that is just so, so important because if you're not eating well, regardless of your hormone levels or your physical activity, if you're not eating well, your body is in a stressed situation yep, right. because you're and you're going to develop you know cardiovascular disease if you're not moving and you're not eating healthy if you're you know eating a lot of fattening foods and um not vegetables and uh you know so and that also like you said it causes stress on your body and right. the higher stress levels the worse off your body's going to feel so um, yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes total sense to me. It, it, it really does. And, and, you know, I, um, am just turned 44 and I've experienced some menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms. Um, and so I would, you know, I'd go to the doctor and I'd get my yearly exam and she would say, oh, well, you know, uh, maybe you should get on, um, 
birth control pills or let's give you this cream or, and uh, you know, or whatever she wants me to do. I even looked into doing the HRT that we talked about a little bit before uh, where they inject the little pellet that gives you all the hormones to kind of replace what you're, you're losing because um, of some of my symptoms were like mood swings and um, hair loss. Um, you know, your skin changes, just everything, you know, when it comes to some of those things. And so, you know, I thought about it and then I said, well, I, I really want to dig down deeper and, and know like, what is it that I could do that's natural? And that's what I always say to to the gynecologist. I'm like, well, what can I do that's natural? Can you give me any dieting information? Or like, what can I increase in my diet? Or what can I change? You know, and she will give a few tips. She's pretty good about that. She's not pushing the medicine, you know, as much. But I, I, I just really love the ideal of doing it as natural as possible because, you know, it's it's a quick fit to take a medicine or to do this or do that. But if you really factor in your your lifestyle, your diet, and your exercise, I really think it could really make a huge difference. It totally does. And the thing is, and what many women don't really understand, because number one, the majority of doctors don't really know that much. Even gynecologists don't really understand menopause that well. They know how to prescribe a pill, but they don't really understand what's happening to women as they're going through menopause. But even if you go on to HRT or MHT, depending on which country it is, what, what it's called, if you don't address the underlying cause of what's going on, if you don't address your diet, you don't address all of those things, when you come to come off those medications, you're now going to have a big drop in hormones. So you're going to go through the problem, but it's going to be worse because it's actually going to be, a, and you should never, ever stop um, hormone replacement really suddenly. It actually needs to be a gradual taper down because once you stop, if you haven't addressed what's going on, you're going to come back with the same problems. Now, there are some women that stay on these hormones for the entirety of their lives, um, not something that I really want to do, um, to be on to have to take a tablet every single day for the rest of my life or get something shoved in my arm or whatever, um, but and there's also risk factors that come with that, um, regardless of what type of hormones you're taking. People say, well, taking bioidentical hormones these days, the risk factors are uh, um, are not there. But in fact, there's a lot of controversy as to whether or not there are still some risk factors and whether or not you should not be on it for longer. I think it's between five and ten years. I know it keeps changing. It's not something that I recommend, so I don't really keep up with it. But um, if you don't address what's going on, my point is if you don't really address what's going on, then um, you're going to have the problems when you come off those hormones anyway because the hormones haven't fixed the problem. You don't need those hormones to be as high um, when you're no longer cycling. We don't need to have them, uh, you know, higher than what the body can make. The body knows what it needs. We just don't trust our bodies. And, you know, when you say before, oh, in the past you used to kind of eat some of those foods and you used to be able to get away with it. And that's one thing I think that um, is important for women to, to know is that, yes, you used to be able to get away with these things when you were younger. No, you can't get away with them now because your body has changed. It is different because hormones impact the way your body works, not just the reproductive hormones. It also affects your thyroid. It affects your adrenals. It affects your blood sugar. It affects everything. 
So your body has changed and you can't get away with what you used to get away with before. So this is why it's really important as you come into this next stage of life that self-care and self-love and really looking after yourself is your focus rather than, you know, the things you used to get away with before. You know, and that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some days where maybe you might, you know, you know, go out, you go to a party, it's really about enjoying yourself, not really worrying about what you're eating. You don't have to be that focused on the food. But if, you know, I say, you know, if you're looking after yourself 80% of the time, you're nourishing your body with healthy food, movement and sunlight and, you know, really looking after yourself. If there are times where things don't go according to plan, that's okay. And don't feel guilty about it because that's more stressful anyway. Because you know, being out with friends and having a you know a glass of wine and, and you know a, a few things that are probably not the best things for you to eat is not going to be a problem so long as you're not doing that every single day of the week. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. It's about uh, moderation versus yeah. you know, like just cutting things out of your life altogether. Because you know, people talk about weight gain and weight loss during menopause, and most women are you know really struggling with. Uh, you know, like you said, what did you call it? A minnow belly? Minnow belly. Yes, yeah. minnow belly. That's so, what I call it. Uh, are there any other things that you can share with us in regards to the minnow belly and how we can combat that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big topic in itself. So, and I, I've lost, um, I'm in kilos. So I've lost over 20 kilos because I, I was one of these women that put the weight on. I got a minnow belly and and I was actually for a long time wouldn't actually talk about weight, which is really hard when you're a naturopath that deals with women that have got that are going through menopause. I just want to, didn't want to talk about it because I was embarrassed because I couldn't lose the weight. What I used to do in the past, I in the past, if I wanted to drop kilos, I would just go um, on a keto diet and it would come off and that would be easy. But it wasn't working this time, and I just tried everything and, and I just it didn't matter what I did. It was just the weight was just coming on. I couldn't lose it. So I just wore baggier clothes and I was quite ashamed of my body. And then I learned about genetics, genetic-based personalised health. So I'm a gen- I am a personalised health coach that um, I work with genetics and epigenetics. And with that, what, what we look at is exactly the right foods for your specific body type. So, you know, it's one thing to say, well, yes, and in general, eat more vegetables because most women don't have enough vegetables. So if I'm going to say anything, eat more vegetables, drink more water. It's a call. But it's then understanding what your body requires. So as I said in the past, I used to go on a keto diet to lose weight, um, and I used to generally be paleo. But once I started to understand what my body type required, I now actually I'm not a I'm not a vegetarian, but I eat a lot more vegetables, a hell of a lot more vegetables. I eat very very little red meat. I do eat um, chicken, a small amount of chicken every day. I personally intermittent fast because that works well for my body type. But for other bodies, that's not that intermittent fasting will not work for them. So it's understanding what your body requires and. Whilst I use tools to help women do this because I do it through my personalised health health coaching, um, when you actually listen to your body, it tells you exactly what it wants. So it's tuning back in. Does it need to be fed every couple of hours or can I actually go longer without food? And it's really understanding what your body requires. And generally the women who are bigger and are really, really struggling with weight 
um, generally they need to be eating less often. That's And that's just a general statement because until I really know what health type they are when I get specific, but generally eating less often is like this eating every couple of hours is actually not good for a lot the majority of, of people who are really struggling with their weight. It's actually having, you know, three meals and that's it. Um, those who want can do an intermittent fast overnight if they want and just have a, a, a have a later breakfast. Um, but it's just really um, understanding what your body requires. And that's the same when it comes to movement. You know, do, does your body feel really great when you go for a run? Um, does it really need to be doing that type of um, exercise or is your body better when it's, um, you know, lifting weights? And I know for me personally, and I used to run a lot, but I have knee issues, I have hip issues, I have ankle issues because my body's not actually designed to be doing that type of exercise. But put a backpack on my back and hiking boots on and put me out in the bush climbing over rocks where I can use my, my strength to get over rocks and just hike through the bush and be in nature, that is like heaven for me. And that's where I actually, that's most of my exercise these days is walking in the bush with a backpack on and um, in hiking boots. I don't do, I mean, I do yoga, like yoga classes, but other than that, you know, I don't do the the exercises that I used to do when I used to go to the gym and do these, you know, fitness classes and things like that because that's not right for my body. It's right for some people, but it's not right for my body. And I always used to think there was something wrong with me because I couldn't keep up with everybody. And, you know, and doing 5 a.m. boot camps in the morning, first thing in the morning as I I used to think I was hopeless because I couldn't do it. I used to get up there and I used to struggle. It's best for me to exercise in the afternoon, not in the morning. Other people, great in the morning. Me, better for me to do in the afternoon. So it's really understanding what your body wants and doing, following what your body wants rather than what everyone tells you you're supposed to be doing. So it's really tuning in and saying, you know, when when do I want to eat? When do I want to exercise? Because the answers, you've already got the answers, but many of us just can't interpret what their body is telling us. And that's that's where I step in and I help women is like and give them the tools to understand what is required for their bodies. And when we do that, we bring our bodies back to its balance. We connect back into itself. It reduces stress. Hormones come into balance and you can just breeze through menopause. It's easy. It's easy. I've got so many clients who just go, this was easy. Now I know and I understand myself better. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like as I've, you know, gotten gotten to this stage, you know, I've gotten this, uh, for the most part, my diet down and the exercise that I do now is more beneficial for me. Um, I do a bar class and I love it because I was a cardio junkie forever. I love to spin and run and do all the things. And I've here lately. I've been I've been feeling like a need to to do like maybe a cycle. So I thought about maybe getting another spin bike, and I love to walk too. And my diet. So I want to say that I am a vegetarian and uh, I am also gluten free. I have celiac disease and a thyroid condition. I developed a thyroid condition after I had my son. Uh, he's 14 now. And so um, when I found out I had celiac disease, I ended up developing developing a eating disorder, uh, which I never had any issues prior to this medical condition. Uh, and once I was diagnosed, you know, I developed anorexia. So it was, it was, it was something that just happened to me later in my life. And I went for a long period of time 
having a period because you know how that is when you, you and your body is depleted and you're a low of weight, you have no cycle. So uh, now that I'm in recovery for several years now, uh, my periods have come back and I've been able to intuitively eat and learn like what, you know, I've kind of on a schedule, like you said, it's, it's kind of like an intermediate, I can't say that, intermittent is that how you, yeah yeah fasting um so it's sort of like that because i can go for long periods of time without eating or i'll eat at a certain time and my body just knows like it i can feel that and um cutting the gluten out was oh, it was a wonderful yeah. uh, i will never want to eat that again ever ever um and you know so many people say you know do you miss being able to eat certain things. And and I will say, yes, you know, I, I did struggle a long time with, you know, that uh, not being able to eat. And I still struggle with feeling socially awkward uh, going places, especially, you know, when you're around people who don't eat gluten-free. It, it's, it has gotten more common and it was kind of like a diet fad here in the United States, but it's definitely not for me. It's a medical issue. <laughs> so, um. With that being said, I, I can definitely tell like some great things that have come out of that experience um, because it has really taught me how to really have a balanced diet and eat well and um, really put nutritional value into my body uh, versus, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still eat every now and then I'll say, oh, I really want those chips. I'm going to eat those <laughs> chips, um, but not every day. You know, and not yeah, and sometimes, that's fine because that's yeah. like, that's just living life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you something. You know, I started um, becoming a vegetarian prior. I was not a vegetarian my whole life. I I just started one day. I said, you know, I just don't. I I never really liked meat that much. It had to be really well done. It couldn't have any juice coming out of it. And my husband's like, you're eating it the worst way possible because it's so dry. And that's maybe why you don't like it, but I just was the texture thing or something for me. So, uh, I, I, you know, I just said no. And, you know, I just, I, there was other reasons, you know, ethical reasons. And, um, but my husband is also a hunter. So, I mean, I'm married to someone who loves to hunt animals. So it's, it's, it's different, you know, for us, but, um, I did start drinking water and I would tell you, I was a, uh, soft drink soda, you know, person forever and ever and ever. And I, and I remember I went from like regular soda to diet thinking, oh, it was better, but no, it was not. It was actually probably worse. <laughs> so uh, I started drinking water and I'll tell you, I still drink nothing but water to this day. I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. I don't have any cravings whatsoever for any of that stuff. I, I honestly don't acquire a taste for alcohol or anything. So I don't know if that's just my body type um, and, you know, who I am. Uh, it sounds like you're really in touch with your body because really we remember that these bodies we've had have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years. And, you know, go back, we only need to go back to before the war we didn't have the type of foods that we have now. You're eating basically what your body was designed to eat. Your body was not designed to be eating, you know, the processed foods and all of that. That was that's something that came out of the war, the Second World War. And but if we, you know, if we eat the way we're designed to, we're not, you know, eating plant foods 
and a you know a little bit of depending on where you lived you would have a little bit of animal protein but not a lot it was basically our bodies were designed to be consuming the plants and yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, and that doesn't mean everyone needs to be a vegetarian but it's really getting the balance is that it's big on the plant food and if you're going to have the animal protein the meat or the chicken or whatever it's the small amount whereas normally what happens is someone has this great slab of steak and a small bit of veggies on the side. We need to just flip that around. Eat yeah, more vegetables. <laughs> and, you know, if you're going to have your animal proteins, eat less of them. Because, yeah, for some people uh, it is very hard to digest and um, and obviously you've got an issue with digesting foods and, and you're probably one of the health types that actually does struggle to digest those proteins because of your gut. But then there's other health types which do need more protein because they're, they've got more muscle on them and they build muscle easily. So they need a little bit more protein to build that muscle, but doesn't take away from the fact that we still need a lot more vegetables. Majority of us, the majority of people, unless they're a vegetarian, do not eat enough vegetables. And, you know, gluten's a big thing. I don't have gluten either. I don't have celiac disease though, but I, I choose not to eat gluten because it doesn't feel good for me. Occasionally I have it. But We've got a society now where food is all driven around eating sugar and gluten, and that's mm. not how our body developed. We did, you know, evolutionary, we did not develop eating sugar and gluten, but now mm. it's very hard to go out and not be served sugar and gluten somewhere. Yeah. So, and it is hard because then you're going to say, no, sorry, and, you know, you've got a medical condition, so you go, well, no, I can't eat that. That's going to, And people look at and go, oh, yeah, you're just one of these hippie, hippie persons that don't eat this. And it, but it's like that is not proper food for your body it's not you know yes it comes from wheat but you know go into how yeah. wheat is, is sprayed and all the chemicals that are on wheat and the processing that actually gets it to be whatever it is that's sitting in front of you it's that's actually a processed food and bread is processed food you know unless you've sat there and you've ground the wheat yourself and kneaded it and doted it's it's processed food so it's like that's not what our bodies were designed to eat they were designed to eat whole foods, real foods. And when we move back towards that, then our bodies start to come back into balance. And then you can listen and say, oh, what does my body want? And when you eat something your body doesn't like, you can hear the response because you will feel, you know, you won't sleep properly. You'll feel bloated. You'll get pains in your gut, whatever it is. You get that immediate response and you go, aha, I ate that. That's what happened. Now, next time I can make a better decision. Oh yeah. Like I could, it's, you know, like when I was talking about chips, you know, um, because I don't eat that often, but when I do sometimes eat certain things that are, you know, I try to eat, uh, the ones that are, I guess is most healthier option, uh, of chips. Uh, you know, if there is one, you know, like the no GMO and, and all that stuff, but sometimes it, it does. I mean, that that whole day I may eat just a handful of some and I'm literally burping and just my stomach just feels yeah. kind of yeah and and my husband's like well you're just not used to it that's why I'm like yeah because I'm not really supposed to be eating that stuff <laughs> you know and it's okay to enjoy it every so often and that's fine but also know that yeah it comes with consequences I'm this with I'm that with ice cream so a good quality ice cream I love ice cream when it's a really nice ice cream, but I know that when I eat it, I'm going to get pain. So I don't eat it all the time. And when I do eat it, I just 
I, I just enjoy the the act of eating that ice cream, the really creamy, chocolatey with chunks in it, you know, Ben and Jerry's type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I really enjoy it. But I do know that more than likely I'm going to get pain afterwards. So I don't eat, eat it all the time. I only have it, you know. Well, we're only coming back into summer now. So, you know, I might have it a couple of times over summer. Didn't have any over um, winter, but that's okay. I enjoy it when I'm eating it, but I don't eat it all the time because I know the impact it has on my body. Yeah, that's me. I I, I do eat dairy, uh, but I limit myself to uh, how much I eat because I do love ice cream too. That's <laughs> one of the, my favorite things. So I love ice cream. So I eat that quite often, but I have to make sure that I'm not eating too much of it <laughs> or like yogurt. I do like yogurt too. So I'll try to uh, limit myself on that or I will feel it. Like I cannot drink milk uh, like just by itself, or uh, yeah. I used to love eating cereal and, oh, I mean, it's immediate. I can start eating it. And within 10 minutes, my stomach is like blowed out, <laughs> like uh, bloated so bad. Um, so yeah, my body just does not agree with that anymore. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we've, we've touched on, um, the HRT and food and weight loss and what we can do. So I guess uh, to end it on this note, um, is there, I know, cause we've talked so much about everything, but is there any tidbits uh, or things that we can do to help us during the perimenopausal or menopausal process? Okay. So the main message I want to leave everybody with is to know that this is a natural process. Your body knows what it has to do. When you support your body, when you nourish your body, when you rest your body, when you treat your body with love, it will get through this time of life with ease. And if it's not, then go back and look at the food you're eating, how you're moving, the chemicals you're being exposed to, the stress that you've got going on in your life and your mindset. They're the five keys. They're the things I talk about all the time. Go back and address them. Which one of them needs work? And start working on them because when you've got those five things under control, this time of life can be an absolute breeze and you will step into your inner wisdom. This is your time to step up and be the wise woman. You know, over the first half of your life, you were doing what other people expected of you. This is your time to step up and do what it is you want and live the life that you want and to be a role model for the women who are coming behind you, to tell them that it doesn't have to be scary, that this time of life does not have to be a struggle. Show them this is what you, how you can get through this time of life. Does that mean every day is going to be, you know, bliss and lollipops? No, there's going to be some crap days, but that's okay. Next day you wake up and things will change. Every single day is a new day. Every single day is an opportunity for you to step into what it is you require. How do you need to nourish your body? How do you need to look after yourselves? Don't worry about the hormones. The hormones will do exactly what they're meant to do. And they know how to rebalance themselves, even if they're out of balance right now. You nourish yourself. The body knows what it needs to do. You just need to give it the time and you need to trust that it can do it and embrace that this is happening. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There is no pill that will stop menopause. And I don't care what doctors say, nothing will stop menopause. It is going to happen whether you want it to or not. So your choice, 
how you're going to get through. Such good stuff. Thank you so much. We come to the end and I ask all of my guests the same two questions. So name something in your life you've done that wasn't so darling. Oh, oh, many, many things. (laughs) Uh, Many things. A couple of weeks ago when I was whinging and bitching about being in lockdown and why some people can get out and they can do things and I can't, and I pulled myself right down into this big, big black hole and realising, then I realised, well, okay, I could change the way I'm thinking about this and rather than seeing that everybody's against me and I've made these decisions and they've they've done this and all that type of stuff, just get out of my head and go, okay, just let that go. It's a story. I'm very big at making stories up in my head that aren't necessarily true, and so I just let the stories go. So that's one of the things that I journal, and I've just been letting stories go of everything that's kind of going on in my head at the moment because, yeah, being in lockdown for, I think I'm up to five months or so, is not an easy thing. Um, particularly when you see other people in parts of the world enjoying themselves. So that that at the moment, the, the last few months have not been so darling for me. Um, and I I pulled myself down into that hole. So, yeah, that's probably my, my latest one. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. Yeah. I, I too tell myself a lot of stories and have to talk myself right out of them. <laughs> And I, I, I can understand, uh, you know, we were uh, on lockdown for a while uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, which was, you know, a while ago. And now we're kind of back open and trying to go about life. And it's it's difficult. I mean, it's we're still in this and it's 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 hard. It, it really is. So I, I, I can understand. Uh, and I also want to say, you said you were going into your summer because we're going into our winter. Yep. Like this is fall for us going into winter. Yeah, we're, we're coming into summer now. So beautiful mm. day outside today It's because it is morning for me. It's nighttime for you right now. It's tomorrow. I'm on yeah. tomorrow for you. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's so cool. It's so amazing to get to connect to to so many people around the world um so who do you find to be so darling oh geez, you didn't give me warning of these did you <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did <laughs> no <laughs> who do I find to be so darling oh no that's a tough one I need time to think about that come back to me next week and I'll answer you um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, typically, you know, everyone gives, I mean, I've heard uh, their family, I've heard a celebrity, I've heard, uh, you know, this or that, uh, you know, it's... I'd have to actually say many of my clients, um, the women I work with, because sometimes they come into my programs, and they, you know, they've got weight issues, they've got lots of other things going on, but when they embrace what's, you know, they embrace what's happening with their body and embrace the lessons I've got to teach them and they take them on. And, you know, and that for me is like really I can't, I, I can't make people do anything. But when I see them embracing it and just trying it out and getting great results, that for me is just it's unbelievable. I just love seeing the results that my clients get. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because they did the work. And they were open to learning something about themselves and actually living their lives and being true to themselves rather than what everybody else wanted. So I really have to say many, many of my clients. Well, kudos to them because I I think it's fabulous. And I couldn't agree more because I'm sure 
that when they come in, they feel so defeated, but when they're walking out, they feel so empowered because not only with your help, they also help themselves because they did the work. Yes. And that's it. You just do the work. Just do the work. As hard (laughs) as that sounds, you just do the work. Sometimes it's really hard. (laughs) It is, but you just take one little step, one step. You know, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You just make one change, one change every day. It just keeps adding up and just keep making the change. That's it. It doesn't have to be big changes. And that's a big thing I tell my clients is we're not going to go in and make you know, wholesale changes to everything that you're eating and doing. It's like, what one, one change could you make today? Just make one change. And then tomorrow, do the same thing again and keep doing it until you're ready to make another change. And those little changes all add up. It's it's very true. It's very true because I've done this myself. So, and it is so difficult at first. You think you will not get through it. You cannot do it, but I am living proof. And so are you that it does yep. work. It does. Okay. So tell my listeners where they can find you. Okay. So my website is www.angelacouncil.com. Um, over there, you can, um, I've got a free ebook called The Secret to Getting Rid of Your Meno Belly. Um, or you'll find me on Facebook, Instagram under Angela Council. So that's kind of the best places to find me. And I'm spending too much time on both Facebook and Instagram, but I'm there. I do have a private Facebook group called Menopause Conversations. Um, if you grab the ebook, you'll get the link to that in there as well. And you can come and um, join me over there. Awesome. Well, Angela, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing all your information with my listeners. My pleasure. <laughs> if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. And it will be so darling if you rate and review the Not So Darlin podcast and then head over to notsodarlin.com and sign up so you don't miss out on some of Tanya's favorite things related to style, fitness, and health, both physical and mental, along with specials to be had, giveaways in which to participate, and the opportunity to be one of the Not So Darlin podcast guests. And don't forget to follow Tanya on Instagram at notsodarlintanya. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.